Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stats. This is Behind the Steel Curtain co-editor Dave Schofield coming at you again on a Thursday morning. Once again, there's NFL news again. We now know the entire NFL schedule. It was released fully and officially on Wednesday evening. I am going to be 100% honest with you because I also have to be on YouTube for the Steelers preview on Wednesday night and everything else. I am actually recording this episode a little bit earlier than normal. Therefore, I don't actually have the full schedule yet. I have almost all of it from piecing together various leaks, but at the same time, I'd love to see if those leaks are actually correct or not. We do, I do know that the Pittsburgh Steelers open up against the Buffalo Bills in week one in Buffalo, seven straight years opening on the road. I'll be honest with you. It's got to be that it's one of the requests the Steelers put in. I wonder if they are asking to open on the road, if that's something they just prefer to do because... There's no other reason to constantly keep doing that if they want otherwise. So there, there's no way it's that many in a row. When I don't think anyone else has been more than two straight years. And the Steelers, it's been seven. Um, this all time, there's plenty of other teams that have opened a lot more games year after year on the road uh, than the Steelers. But I'm just saying currently in the NFL right now as we speak. But uh, it's the first time ever of a 17 17- game regular season. We'll see how that goes. And it's the very first time the Steelers have that schedule. But uh, I tell you what, the NFL smart. 
they keep themselves in the news. They wait two weeks till after the draft and have something else that has everyone talking and buzzing about what's going on. Um, but we're kind of used to that with the NFL because we know we have, you know, on average, a week between games when it comes to our teams. So although, you know, they throw in the Monday night games and the Thursday night games to kind of keep not too long without any NFL football to, to get your team. I mean, for those of you following the Steelers, you're used to, you know, six days of anticipation, one game day. So the majority of what we do is downtime, not actually days in which the Steelers are taking the field. It's not like the NHL. It's definitely not like N- MLB or the NBA. Um, that There's a lot more, lots of time in between games. So we're used to filling this time, as I'm trying to do right now, as we're talking about some more geeky stuff. Um, had a topics brought up to me. I don't have anyone specific to attribute it to. Um, but I, I, we do have a topic later on that I was specifically asked me on Twitter. Once again, I am always looking for stat geek questions. Make sure you, you can hit me up on Twitter at STLR superfandad, or you can email me at STLR superfandad at gmail.com and ask me a stat geek question. I know someone threw one out, uh, to Jeff Hartman a few weeks ago. I can't remember who it was. And I'm like, there is really no way to actually discerned that question and be able to come up with it, come up with anything numerically, statistically, stuff like that. There, there's just some questions that you just can't answer without an opinion. I mean, it's really difficult to, let's say, talk about an offensive line. I mean, you could talk about rushing numbers. You can talk about sack numbers. You can talk about those other things. I mean, you can, you can take the PFF rankings, um, but those you just kind of have to take with what they do. I, I had an article this week about the, the bias against the Steelers by PFF. Now that's not ranking things after the fact, although, you know, for some reason, PFF despises Bud Dupree with everything he does. Um, but he's not with the Steelers anymore. So we don't have to worry about that. But the other thing is when they go to like project things and they talk about their, you know, ranking how people did in the draft, it's all based on their own analytics. So if somebody does the same analytics as they do, they're going to say they had a great draft. Well, that's just because they followed your analytics. And if you want to constantly keep giving the Cleveland Browns A-plus drafts, even when they were O and whatever or 1 and whatever, that's fine. Go with it. Make See how they actually do on the field. You know, last year was the first year that they've actually done something on the field in a very long time. But that's just, I kind of go off on a little bit of tangent there with that. But what we're going to talk about today, this morning, is we're going to talk about running backs. We're going to look at the running back position, and we're going to look at kind of the longevity of running backs. Now, not the longevity, because we're not tackling that issue at all, because that really is hit or miss how many years a running back can play, things of that nature. I'm, so it's not longevity. It's going to more about availability. And it's kind of tearing down the narrative of James Conner was always injured. That was his problem. The best ability is your availability. And he was never available. Well, first of all, that's not true. It's not that he was never available. But yes, he yet he missed games every season. But you know what? That's what running backs do. 
That's what running backs do across the league. It is a very difficult position to actually play every game of the season. And that's what we're going to break down here numerically. I only went back three seasons because it was so much data and everything. And I just, you know, sometimes you feel like your head's going to explode anyway, but there's just so much data within those last three years just to kind of show a pattern how it's not perfect, but there's a general consensus of how this works. Running backs miss time. End of story. Running backs miss time in the NFL. If you're running back not missing time in the NFL, guess what? You are probably not a feature running back because that's just that's just what the data says. And you know, so what else what what else can we do? So Let's look at it and let's look at what the running backs in the NFL have done over the last three seasons. We're going to start with 2020 and work backwards. So that's what's going to happen here. And we're going to look at games started, but we're also going to look at games played. And the whole reason I'm going to to do this is because sometimes a running back doesn't get the start simply because the offense starts five wide or something like that. Shouldn't really count that against them too much. A lot of times I'm comparing games started to games played because, I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, well, they didn't start 16 games. Well, they played in all 16 games. Or, oh, well, they, you know, oh, they played in all 16 games. Yeah, but they only started four. You know, if you're only starting four out of 16, then guess what? You're not really a feature back. Now, I had some problems when I went to to break down this data. I got to tell you this up front, be completely honest, transparent. I was having fits with with, uh, pro football reference actually giving me all the running backs. They had certain players that they just don't have them listed under a position. So unless I'm trying to look at everyone and their rushing yards, which then throws in some quarterbacks into the mix, I'm not going to get an accurate depiction of the data. I'm going to give you a perfect example. Benny Snell Jr. According to pro football reference, they don't have him listed with a position at all. So if I filter out any positions and say, oh, how, what, where does he lie among running backs? He's not even going to show up. For some reason, they don't even, he's just not in their system. So in order to make sure that didn't happen with anybody else, I just looked for all players, and I had to pull players that weren't running backs out on my own. But in order to get a better picture, I decided to look at running backs within a season that had at least 100 carries. And you're like, oh, wow, is that going to cut down some people? Maybe it is, but here's why. If someone played in 16 games and, and averaged or not average, and totaled 100 carries as a running back. That's only six and a quarter carries a game. You know, so you're talking about you get seven carries a game. There you go, which means you're a back that's actually getting the ball. Even if you only appeared in 15 games, you're talking about six and two-thirds of a carry per game on average. If you're talking 14 games, if you only appear in 14 games, but you want to get to 100 carries, you just got to average a little over seven um, carries a game. If you only played in 13 games, that you're now you're over seven and a half, but still under eight carries a game. If you played in 13 games, if you played in 12 games, then you're talking about eight and a third carries a game. 
And if you only played 11 games, you're just talking about barely nine, barely over nine carries a game. If you only appear in 10 games in the NFL and you want to reach 100 carries, that's 10 carries a game. That's the easiest one that I went with. And then I'm like, you know, I don't care that I, don't, I didn't care that they had that many carries. I'm not worried about the yards. I'm not worried about, about yards per carry, things like that. I looked at, did they hit 100 carries? That meant they were actually a running back that was used regularly. So if you're so running backs that got injured early, they're not going to show up in my list. But you know what? They weren't anyway because they didn't appear in very many games. Like a Saquon Barkley, he, who got re- injured in week two. He played in two games last year, didn't have the carries. Well, that's part of what we're looking at. How many running backs actually get 100 carries in a season and play this many games? So here we go. So that's the disclaimer. Got to hit 100 carries for the season. There were, in 2020, 10 running backs in the NFL that had 100 carries on the, on the, on the season and appeared in 16 games. Okay? So just that they appeared in the game. When you're talking about crediting them with starts, only two of them started 16 games. There were two running backs last year that started 16 games, and they were Derrick Henry and Devin Singletary. That was it. Now, like I said, there were other players that appeared in 16 games uh, because there were there were two of them. There, there were two players that appeared that started 10 games but appeared in all 16, like Adrian Peterson and um, Giovanni Bernard. They appeared in every game, and they started a bunch of them because the injuries and whatnot. A, a, um, Adrian Peterson was splitting time um, there. So they started a good number of games, and they, and they appeared in 16. Then there, you had a whole bunch of guys that appeared in 16 games, but they only started six or less, which tells me that even though they're – that's not that, oh, we're starting in a spread or whatever. That means you weren't the number one guy. That's the way I look at it. If you're not starting half the games and you appeared in all of them, then you're not the number one guy. It was guys like Gus Edwards, Kareem Hunt, Benny Snell. He appeared in all 16 games, only started three. Tony Pollard, Brian Hill, and Malcolm Brown. Those were the guys like Malcolm Brown, New England. He had 100 carries on the year, 16 games played, zero starts. Okay, He's obviously not the guy. So even out of those 10 players – that play that played in 16 games and had a hundred carries on the season. Only four of them started 10 games or more out of those 16, which tells you your running backs don't play every game. They get dinged up, they get hurt. That's what happens. That was just last year. So I just went through then and looked at looked at the starts. Okay. Two, as I said before, two running backs started 16 games. Two. Three running backs started 15 games. Okay. And they all only played in 15 games. So that means they missed a game in there. Now, it could have been injury or it could have been that they sat out something like week 17. Okay. I didn't dive into each one of them specifically because I had so many of them I was looking at. Then you have five running backs that started 14 games. Okay. Two of those five actually appeared in 15 games. Okay. Then you had um, four running backs that started in 13 games. Okay. Two of them, out of those four, two of them appeared in 15, but only started in 13. And one of them appeared in 14, but only started 13. Okay. 
And then I'm going to, I'm going to kind of cut it off here at 12. There were also four players that only that started 12 games at running back that had hundred carries. One of them appeared in 15 games, but you're talking about the only guys that even appeared in 16 games were the two guys that started all 16 games. You total up those numbers, 18 running backs started 12 games or more last year and got 100 carries on the season. That's not even, I mean, that's barely over every other team having a running back that started 12 games or more, let alone 16 games. You don't get 16 games out of your running backs. And next year we're talking 17 games. So you're talking even more, okay? If you want to just know out of curiosity, there were three running backs that started 11 games. Um, One of them appeared in 15, and one of them appeared in 13, and one of them appeared in 12. But then where the big jump comes in is there was 10 running backs that started 10 games, and I already told you about two of them that appeared in all 16. Three of them appeared in 15 games, and one of them appeared in 14 games. Bottom line is your running backs don't give you every game production to where they're even available in the NFL. That's what happened last year in 2020. Okay. So if you're talking about just games played, you had 10 of them that played 16 games. I already broke them down. The only two of them started all 16. Okay. You had 14 play running backs that, uh, that played in 15 games and 14 running backs that played in 14 games. And a lot of those were your reserve guys. I mean, Like I said, Benny Snell played in all 16 games, but he only started three of them. You know, you're talking about those running backs. You're talking about your second, even possibly third option running backs that got, and the whole reason that they got to that hundred carry threshold is because the guys in front of them were missing time. So this is just how it works. Running backs are not available. If we look at 2019, let me at least do that one here. 2019, the numbers were higher of how many of, of how many running backs played it. I mean, could have been with 2020, there a lot a lot more players missed time and things like that. So take that NFLPA to say that your your lack of preseason and off season conditioning didn't affect that. It, it seemed to have affected the running backs pretty good because 19 players appeared in all 16 games and had 100-plus carries. These are running backs. I took the quarterbacks out of there. Um, Out of those 19, five of them started all 16 games. One started 15 games. Two started 14 games. One started 11 games. But then you got guys like a guy that started nine games. Four guys started eight games. Four out of those 19 only started half the games, which tells me they were available all the time, but they weren't the main guy. One started seven. Then you got guys that started three games, one game, or zero games. Bottom line is how many of these 19 running backs had 10 or more starts in the season? Nine. Nine out of those 19 even had 10 or more starts. So you really only have nine guys, nine guys that you're calling on to be a regular running back in the entire league that was available for 16 games. Okay. Um, Like I said before, only five players had 16 starts. There were eight players that had 15 starts, and but only one of them actually appeared in 16 games. So meaning seven of those eight missed a game, whether it was for sitting out or for injury. Um, the, you had four, four running backs that had 14 starts on the season. Two of them 
were available for all 16 games, but didn't actually get the start based on one reason or another. You only had two players with, with 13 starts and they all played in 13 games. And you had one player with 12 starts who actually appeared in 14 games. So that was 20 running backs, 20 running backs that had 12 starts or more on the season which was only two more than the year before, which was 18, or not the year before, two more than what it was in 2020 when they had 18. So it's telling you that, once again, these guys miss time. There was only seven running backs that even played 15 games and seven of them that played 14 games. Another thing I kind of forgot to mention from back in 2020, and I'll compare it to, to 2019, is in 2020, out of the running backs, there were eight players that rushed for a thousand yards. Only one of them played in, in every game, and that was Derrick Henry. Three of them played in fifteen games. Three of them played in fourteen games, and one of them only appeared in twelve games. That was Nick Chubb. Only appeared in twelve games, um, and had a thousand yard rushing. Now I know I said take that NFLPA because all oh, it shows that injury. Some of these guys were also missing because of COVID. You have to take that into account. So that's why the numbers were even worse last year. But that's why I went into 2019. There were 15 1,000 yard rushers in 2019, and less than half of them, only seven of them, appeared in all 16 games. Four of them appeared in 15 games. Two of them appeared in 14 games, and two of them appeared in 13 games. That's just the breakdown. So your guys that are getting lots of yards aren't even playing every game. This has taken a while. This is a good stopping point for me to go ahead and take a quick break. We're going to come back and compare the 2018 stats just to see if they kind of line up the same way. And then I got another quick question I'll be answering. So here we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a few to finish this up. Hold tight. Now with Game Pass. And we're back, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, with the second part of the Steelers Stat Geek. I've Breaking down, I know you've, you're probably, hopefully you stuck with me through the commercial after all these geeky numbers. We're finding that, man, there's running backs just aren't playing 16 games. Only two running backs started all 16 games last season in the NFL. Only five running backs started all 16 games in 2019. And in 2018, similar numbers, five. Five running backs started 16 games. Now there were 16 running backs. That's one, you know, a half running back per team, if you think about it, that appeared in all 16 games. But like I was saying, some of these are guys that are depth depth guys that are even special teams guys that are appearing in every game, but they're not really 
the guy that's being called on to be the feature guy. You know, there was, there was out of those 16 guys that, that appeared in 16 games in 2018, five of them started all 16. One of them started 15. One of them started 14. One of them started 12. Then there was a jump down to where the other ones were nine, eight, seven, six, two, things like that. So once again, 18, not 18, eight out of the 16 players that appeared in running backs that appeared in all 16 games had 10, had 10 or more starts. So you're talking about like roughly eight guys that were called on to start most of the time. But I mean, it, it's crazy. Six, 16 starts, five players. How many of them had 15 starts? Two players. One of which appeared in all 16 games, but one of them didn't get credit for a start. So that's almost like another one to 16 starts. Okay. Um, out of the 14 starts, six players. One of them start. One of them appeared in every game. All the other ones just appeared in as many as they started. Uh, four players had thirteen starts, and three players had twelve starts in two thousand eighteen. So that was only fifteen, fifteen running backs in the NFL in two thousand eighteen started twelve or more games and had a hundred carries on the season. Wow. If you think about that, that is just kind of in- interesting there. Um, there was only four players that played in 15 games as, as a running back that had 100 more carries. But there was 12 of them that played in 14 games. So those were just kind of some crazy numbers to go to show that we got to watch our expectations for our running backs, especially if it's someone that's going to be the quote-unquote bell cow that the Steelers are going to give the ball to a lot. Um, so with Najee Harris coming in and you're like, oh, the best thing is, is his health and his availability. I will be honest with you. If he appears in 14 games, that's not bad. If he appears in 15 of the 17 games, th- that's great to honestly think that a running back is going to come in and start and be available every game of the season. It just doesn't happen. So for those of you that had all the James Conner hate out there that said, oh, he was never available. You know what? Neither are the other NFL running backs. They just aren't. I mean, James Conner, he appeared in, he started 12 games, appeared in 13 in 2018. So he was one of those, one of those three guys that I listed about having 12 starts. In 2019, he had 10 starts in 10 games. And in 2020, he appeared in 13 games. Now, 11 of those, he was, he, he, he got the start, but there were some times where he was the runner, but he wasn't the first guy on the field. So when you're talking about, he missed three games last year, six games in 2019, four games in 2018. That's par for the course. That really is par for the course. He only missed two games his rookie year. He just didn't have the starts because of one Le'Veon Bell was the starter. So this is what happens in the NFL. So please go into this season with some realistic expectations for the running back because of this, because to think that they're just going to be available all the time is not how it works. Now, I have another question I'm going to answer here to finish up the show. This is once again from Brian Haynes, um, who's also known as Captain Underpants in the live chat on our YouTube shows. And he wants to know, if the AFC North is the toughest division to play in, he's like, statistically, is it supported in whatever way that I have to do it? Bottom line is, you can't say if it is universally or ever because things change. 
we know how much things change. I mean, look, the Cleveland Browns made it to the postseason last year. How many? They're not that many years removed where it was fantastic if they won a game. You know, so you can't look at the Browns now versus the Browns four years ago. It changes like that constantly. But if you want to look at it based on 2020, because when they look at strength of schedule, strength of schedule always is going off what the team is going. Well, not always. Some some places do it where they predict what teams records will be, but it is generally based off of the team's record the year before. So if you look at the at the team's record the year before, I mean, of course the AFC North is the strongest division in the NFL. And here's why. Number one, they had three teams in the playoffs. Okay, that's good. Only division that had that. Number two, they had three teams with double-digit wins. Okay, only division to do that. And we'll actually talk about how rare that is in just a moment after I finish talking about last year. I mean, think about it. There was, there was one division that had zero teams, double-digit wins. Okay, um, and, the, and the other AFC teams, two of them had two and one of them had one. And... In the in the NFC, there was there was two divisions with two teams with double digit wins, and one with one, and one with none. That's just how it went. If you if you also say, oh yeah, well that's great if you get three teams with double digit wins, but what if that fourth team is really bad? That's not necessarily the case. It could be, but it, it it really isn't because the Steelers in the AFC North, if you add up their wins from last season and you count the tie as a half a win, they they totaled thirty eight point five wins. The next closest was 36 wins, which was from the NFC West, where because in the in the AFC North, it was the wins went 12, 11, 11, four and a half. Where the NFC West, it was 12, 10, 8, and 6. So the NFC West wasn't as quite top heavy, I mean, as much as the AFC North, but their bottom team had an extra win and a half over the North. That's the only thing that you could argue because that's just kind of kind of how how it goes how it works. So, yes, based on 2020, the AFC North is the most difficult division in the NFL right now. But I decided to look into it just a tick more that I'm like, okay, let's not just go playoffs cuz playoffs can change. I mean, the Steelers can go 8 and 8 and make the playoffs, and the Steelers could also go 9 7 and 1 and miss the playoffs. We've seen that happen. So, I thought, well, maybe we should just look at double-digit wins within the division. How many times have divisions had double-digit wins of, sorry, three different teams doing that, like the Steelers, Ravens, and Browns did in 2020? And the answer is that it has happened, I didn't even total it up, seven times since these divisions were formed in 2002. I'm not going back to where there was only three divisions in the Steelers are part of the central that that just doesn't work. So since 2002, when they, when they broke into four divisions in each conference, it's only happened seven times where there was three teams in a division that had double digit wins. It was 2020 was the AFC North. The most recent time before that was 2017. It was the NFC South. Then you had to go back to 2014. Once again, it was the AFC North. It was just, it was three different teams, though. It was the um, it was the Bengals instead of the Browns. Then in 2013, you had the NFC West. 2012, you had the NFC North. 2010, you had the NFC South. And in 2007, you have the AFC South. So when you're looking at the AFC, the only te- the only divisions that have ever done that 
was the South did it once in 2007. So you're talking 14 years ago. And then the AFC North has done it twice in 2014, 2020. So overall, you've you've gotten more production out of the AFC North than any other AFC ones. And when you look at the NFC, the only other division that had done it twice was the NFC South, who did it in 2017 and 2010. So it's it's even pretty fair to say that historically, on average, when you're looking at teams that can sometimes, you know, be be better have a tougher division or whatever the AFC North is up there, but it does change year to year based on, on, you know, sometimes, you know, teams go through cycles of when they're strong and when they're weak. So that's, it's based on that, but definitely based off of last season, the AFC North is the toughest division in the NFL until someone else comes along next year, next year and sees if they can do even better. But you got to remember all these teams are like, well, that they play their own division. But if you're adding up the total number of wins, it's 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 the same number of wins as losses because for every win one team gets, the other team gets a loss. So it all cancels out when it really comes down to it. But hopefully that answers that question. Yes, the AFC North is one of the more premier um, divisions since they've split up into four divisions per conference, and they were across the NFL last year. So hopefully we have a little bit other, more of an understanding and appreciation of the running back position and understand that it's important to have multiple running backs because guys are going to miss time. So it's just, it's the way it works. You hope that you don't get that big injury like the Giants saw last year, like the Panthers saw last year. Those were These are some things that happen. And that's part of the reason why it's really tough and why NFL teams are shying away from taking first round running backs because they are at a position that they're going to get banged up and they're going to miss time. It's just how it goes. So I want to thank you for listening, get getting excited about this 2021 season, looking at the schedule, looking at Heinz Field being at a much bigger capacity. I mean, it's going to be over 50,000 as of the as of the middle of May. Then with that number, hopefully only going up and up to what they'll be able to do come September. That's fantastic news. We're going to keep bringing it here at Behind the Steel Curtain, even if there's a little bit of lull after, you know, between the mini camp and the training camp and all that other stuff. We're going to still have all of our podcasts coming at you, all of our audio podcasts, all of our um, podcasts that are also on audio, but are live on YouTube and Facebook. And of course, make sure you are checking out Behind the Steel Curtain. It really is your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. So thank you very much for joining me. And as I always say, thanks for peeking out. We'll see you next time. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. 
To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.